0: This is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm absolutely honored, I will say that, to be joined by Thorsten Kinsler of God as an Astronaut. Welcome to the show, Thorsten.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thanks for, for having me on.
0: Yeah, and we have a first as well. We have Pat here from the Smashing Skull Sessions joining us as well as co host. Welcome, Pat. Great
2: to be here. Thanks, lads. Great to see you, Thorsten. Nice to catch up. Yeah, congratulations, man! First
0: of all, the beginning of the end—twenty years. Who would have thought, huh?
1: Yeah, I suppose when we started, we we uh, never would have imagined that we'd be there twenty years later, especially doing uh, instrumental music with you know with a very niche audience. But it's delighted to be here and delighted to be uh, that people still come to our shows and uh, just to be able to continue to play music. It's you know for me, I'm very very happy and. We hope that maybe we can continue for a little bit, a little bit longer. Anyway, um, we're hoping to put at least another two albums out. Anyway, so that's kind of the aim, and uh, we'll oh. see what happens. With that
2: are you thinking that far ahead, Tarson? Two albums? Are you that?
1: Yeah, I kind of are, are you that unsure of what's happening afterwards? Is that is that why you're doing that or what? I just I don't know. It's like for me, it's kind of like um, I we are getting older, obviously, and, and, and it's it's on my mind. So. Mm. I don't want to do it to a point where it starts to it starts to feel kind of silly to me, you know. Yeah. At the moment, I still got plenty of energy and and um, you know, there's I still want to do it. But doing touring and stuff like that, it, it has its downsides as well. It's not all fun and games, and it's, uh, you know, it is hard work. Lot very little sleep and a lot a lot of driving. You know, we could on our even on our days off, you're talking about ten hours drives and stuff like that. And oh. the gig, maybe talking about five or six and you know it's getting tougher out there venues are starting to take a cut of the band's merchandise as well which you will re- you know you that's do
0: that's in all right i heard a few stories about that
1: and yeah it's true to us it's kind of like a case of uh, you know we understand venues have been doing very little business over the last two years with the whole COVID thing but bands you know are probably even in, in worse waters first of all we've got all the cost of the fuel prices gone up to try to even get to a to b mm. and People thought when gigs would come back, you know, everybody's going to be jumping to, to 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 the gigs. But what's happening is every band is coming out at the same time mm. So and people don't have a generally a lot of money. So bands are really relying heavily on the merchandise. We've been really lucky that most of our gigs have been really, really well attended. But those are t- tickets that we have been we sold nearly two years ago. So we were looking at the way that we've, you know, postponed the gigs and had all the good good attendances. But I know a lot of bands, you know, finding it tough because there's nearly seven other bands in the city the same night and uh, everybody just trying to get a bite of the same pie. And then you get the promoters coming in, taking a, a big chunk of the of the merchandise and they're even charging support bands like, you know, they were charging at least 75 euros just to sell the merch at the venue. And they would be lucky some bands didn't sell that.
2: Exactly, yeah um, I mean like the merch isn't isn't cheap for you to produce even in the first place I mean there's not the, the markup is is pretty tight I'd assuming anyway, Tarson is it that's to mind
1: No, it um, is tight. we get it from uh, Germany and you know all you have to have it shipped over and uh, and you know um again, you have to be careful we we'd have to get the boat from Dublin to France you can't bring merchandise to to the uk without you know declaring it. Mm um so that's a problem as well we generally don't even bring merchandise to the uk for that reason alone and uh, we have to obviously get the, the boat from dublin to Cherbourg to bring yeah. the merchandise or you have them shipped to the venue <laughs> as well sometimes
0: yeah it, you, you have know, to kind of way. think outside the box now a lot of the time
1: yeah i i think you know it's a big part of it and people don't want to think that way. they want to just say get on the stage turn up the amps and have a good time but you, you know you have to figure at the end of the night you know you need a certain amount of money to be able to get accommodation and all the rest and your food and your days off nobody's paying for that mm. so it is fairly tight so going out doing gigs this is the way it used to be people would say look illegal downloading and all that stuff is fine because people will turn up to your shows and they'll buy your merchandise and everything will go really well but what's really happening is it's now becoming such a tight margin live that playing live mm. it's becoming tougher to make a decent profit on it now we're Probably just privileged and big enough that we are making just enough money to to make it work still, but we wouldn't want to be getting any less popular for put it that way. You know, yeah. was, styles change and you have got to keep up trying to make it people interested, and of course you can't keep playing Europe all the time. You know, you've got, you know you can't just play Hamburg <laughs> you know, three times a year. It won't work. So it is getting tougher that way. Uh, a lot a lot of competition, a lot of good music as well, and. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of competition. So.
2: Do you find yourself condensing your tour or so into, we say, 15 nights in a row as opposed to taking a break in between simply down to costs?
1: Yeah, Neil's kind of likes, the, my, my brother, you know, he does uh, most of the kind of plans with the, uh, he likes to do it in such a way that there's no days off at all. But that can be really <laughs> not easy either. You know, you're talking about sometimes two hours sleep and you're driving yeah. on to the next venue when you do that kind of stuff. Uh, but generally, if we had more than, say, three or four days off on a tour, that would be a disaster. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be doing that because, you you know, again, you have to pay for the food, for the, for the band and the crew, and then you have to also, you know, up with your own accommodation and, you know, you're not making any money in that way. Um, so generally, what we'd like to do now is kind of take smaller tours. We might do like 12 dates, 13 dates, kind of try maybe take one day off in between doing that tour. Come back and then go out. Maybe another two, three months later, come back out and do another ten or twelve days. You know.
0: Uh, and Torsten, have you always managed yourselves?
1: Yeah, we've we've done that from day number one. Um, we never really found um, much luck with getting people to kind of do stuff for us. It was always very difficult to find somebody that's going to put their time and energy into it because it's probably very little incentive out there for anybody to help you unless they can make money out of it. So we just learned from a, a very early on in our career that the more we do ourselves, the more control you have and the better chance that you have to uh, really get things done. Um, we obviously, we, for most of the career, we release our own records on our own label as well, We're with uh, Napalm Records at the moment. Um, probably do a slightly more comprehensive job on probably promotion than we, what we would have done ourselves, but overall, you know, there's advantages to being on your own label because you can release records whenever you want. And mm. the whole Spotify market, the more you release, the better chance you're going to get more money at the end of the end of the year, I guess. Um, But that's another problem. Streaming doesn't really...
2: Yeah. I'd be curious to hear your take on on Spotify. Again, it's, it's a window to promote yourselves. It's huge, like, but again, fuck it, there's nothing to be made from it. Nothing.
1: Yeah, here's my, my... They're not actually the worst either. I mean, you've got all the other... Groups as well, Apple Music, mm. and you know, you've got uh, Tidal, the title yeah. and all. Yeah. but you know, Spotify and Apple are probably the two most popular ones. I think Apple pays even less than Spotify. I think it's. I don't think it's right. I, th- I do think they should be paying the bands a lot more money. But you can't. We can't afford to boycott it. You know, if we yeah. were Foo um, Fighters or something like that, we probably could get away with it. But for us, we we rely he- very heavily on Spotify to try and you know get as much plays and stuff that we can. And um, very hard to get plays as well. That's the other thing I noticed. We we have a decent following on Spotify, but to it's the playlists that really rule how Spotify works. And if you don't get onto the playlists, you you could have a large following, but you won't get that many plays. And getting on those playlists is is, is quite difficult. I must say as well.
0: Yeah, so, it's so. it's amazing like how bands had to adapt to this whole new world, of digital downloading and streaming. Which one of you is the best at doing that?
1: I would say Niels is probably more adapted to, to, to that whole world of, you know, streaming and and uh, I preferred the downloads myself when they went, you know, iTunes and they were downloads and stuff. That was better for us. So when they, everything's shifting more to streaming now, and it's, uh, I just find it very little money in there. And I noticed things say on um, Spotify it reminds me almost like uh, you go into a supermarket and you see something that says margarine <laughs> that'll sell but if you have if your product has a mix of margarine and and butter and, and milk you know they don't know where to place it so I find for example you have a, a group that just does ambient music pretty easy yeah. to get playlist but problem is if you have ambient stuff and then you've got some heavy stuff they don't know where to place your stuff you know so I find Spotify, not very good for people who'd like to make diverse albums, put it that way. It's a okay. product. That's literally one thing. and yeah, So that's one thing that we learned that as well, that you know that they don't like diversity, the way the, the whole algorithms and all that works. Mm. Amazing.
2: It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Again, it's sort of, as I mentioned before, so some other lads, uh, it's a necessary, even in the sense that you do have to have it probably, you have to be involved in Spotify, but it's <laughs> then there's, there's not much more to be gained from it financially or you're no well off because of it it's just it's not a platform basically to get your name out there isn't it
1: it is and, and it, yeah you know, i do like Bandcamp better but it's not as popular and Bandcamp, i i, I think has a just a just a better uh, i think spirit for musicians it has a
0: better scene
1: it's yeah. a better scene so i would much prefer to push Bandcamp, but the record label is not as, not as much interested in Bandcamp as we would be. Um, mm-hmm. What you'd find be... in
0: Bandcamp is fans that are way more passionate and are willing to spend more money on the band because they understand the mechanics of a band trying to, you know, release an album, release a single, and that money goes directly to the band, you know.
1: Exactly, and they do Bandcamp Fridays, Fridays yeah. which, which is great as well. Uh, you don't see Spotify. So I, I hope fan camp never changes and gets bigger that would be i think a good thing for everybody in the in the industry but normally all these things start with great intentions and then you know look at instagram bottle yeah facebook, and now if you want anyone to see your posts you have to pay for it <laughs> yeah i made a mistake actually on the last tour i was uh, i was clicking on my phone i accidentally took out a, a, a kind of a promoted <laughs> post on instagram which also promoted facebook because I, I I was of the opinion Facebook was not really happening anymore, you know. But this post went down. I realized shit. I I'd have to pay for a double service here, <laughs> and it's like two thousand likes and a thousand likes suddenly popping onto our page per post again. So it just shows you that Facebook's still popular, but these guys are literally censoring it unless you actually uh you pay for it, you know. Uh, yeah. So, and I, it did help, I must say, though. You know, people did turn up in different gigs that we didn't know we were even playing and stuff like that. So it's probably worth it. But I I think, again, it's it's just another way of milk and money out of the positions to try and let people know you build up your fan base. But now you actually have to pay to inform them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, on Facebook, they said, like, um, first of all, you have to like the page and you have to follow the page. And then, you you know, it's like, come on, guys.
0: <laughs> like, can you get your head around your popularity in, we'll say, Eastern Europe and beyond, but in Ireland? I'd imagine you'd, you would prefer to have a huge popularity in Ireland as well. But, like, if for some reason, it's just, is it just because of the genre music that you're being classed in? Or what do you think yourself now after, like, how many years now playing? It's, it's hard to know.
1: You know, it, there's, there's a couple of factors probably at play there. Um, I would say, put it this way, like, I have to name the countries, first of all, that will probably do bigger numbers than mm. Ireland, you know, and Italy would probably be one that we would do really really good numbers in wow. and i'd say we were like up to maybe about 1500 to 2000 people per show in italy such as really uh, we were doing a, actually a festival there which was as funny because they had Chemical Brothers headline the next night. we were headlining <laughs> and I that was kind of weird but that wouldn't happen here like you know wouldn't let you on i don't you know I, I just think the kind of music that we play it doesn't really resonate as much as it does in other countries, um probably because it is instrumental I think that's definitely one thing you know once it's instrumental you, you kind of because Ireland's predominantly I think definitely more of a pop industry and like mm-hmm. for example you know we, you take the metal scene for example, it's definitely very underground mm-hmm. here you know it's not it's much more above ground say in the UK for example you know so even metal music doesn't get much of it, uh, attention so I think the Irish media as a whole absolutely doesn't really, pay much attention to to kind of music that's kind of slightly left field or a little bit more kind of inaccessible in their their opinion you know and i do th- i think ireland has that kind of more than just the media has a very much of an opinion that metal is kind of you know something that's not particularly cool and mm. they, and there's wish. a
0: track history of it torston like
1: for sure you know and i think they, they're kind of wrong i think they need to embrace some of the other stuff and, and, and as you know ireland has some fantastic he- heavy groups you know from primordial to, to ultra plays and, and that's there's, only there's, 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 there's just two of many bands mm. that, that have done really really well and i don't really ever remember those groups kind of getting uh, celebrated in any way here in mm. ireland you know and, yeah, did uh,
2: you ever at any stage uh, to and get an opportunity to be asked to do to, to a festival in Ireland, you know, part of a, you know, a broader festival that has not specifically any genre of any kind. Have you been approached?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, the truth is, years ago, we uh, we did get onto the Oxygen Festival um, mm. and that was only because my father was doing a carpet job and <laughs> <laughs> for somebody and we managed to uh, get on to, uh, I won't name names because it wouldn't be fair, you know, but we did on and we did really well and and it was fine. And then we, I think it was for our, our 10 year anniversary. We wanted to do an electric picnic, and um, they said no, they, they wouldn't let us do it. It, said it wouldn't suit the festival. And uh, our booking agent at the time went to the because they, I think, Clear Channel or something had something to do with with that whole festival at that point in the okay. UK. And they overruled the Irish counterparts, and we got out to that festival. Wow. We'll get... So they didn't want us here on it at all. Um, and who knows, you know. Maybe you know again. People are entitled to their opinion. Maybe they didn't think that we suited, but we. I think we did really well, and uh, it was funny because uh, I didn't know it at the time. But Robert Smith was at that particular festival because they, they were playing on it, and he would actually watched us at that gig. And years later, he invited us to play the uh, his own meltdown. That's set, right, yeah, which is cool. And then we also got to meet him in uh, in Romania as well. So that festival, awesome, we had. A, yeah, so that something did good came out of it. Um, I I don't know. I mean. I, I don't. I don't want to have a chip on my shoulder over Ireland because it, because it, it, it's it's nothing personal. I don't think. I think people just like different stuff here in Ireland, and uh, I I just think yeah, it would be nice to be able to have decent sized venues here that we could play rather than just maybe you know academy once a year. Yeah. Be in and, and Cypress Avenue and Cork and that kind like of. Your
2: your show is torsion. Like I mean, it's not about the music. It's about the lighting, about the atmosphere, everything. I mean, it would suit any festival. Any you know to be. Playing after 8 pm when it's dark, lights are down. I mean, I couldn't think of a better band to big Bigamy. You're not the heaviest of metal to say that you'd be people would be walking away saying they can't take the noise, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think he'd be well more than accepted. So it's down to the promoters and stuff. I just think they need to be have, have more of a fucking open mind. Promoters and not.
0: press, Pat, because I mean, again, mm-hmm. like there's only a certain amount of media coverage in relation to. God is an astronaut in relation to heavy metal, in relation to certain indie bands as well. I mean, I'm going back to the likes of uh, Whipping Boy, when they were around. They didn't get any fucking press, but other bands did. When the Sultan's of Ping broke with the Frank and Walters, suddenly all these people were down in Cork looking for the next thing, and a band called the Emperors of Ice Cream got signed. Uh, they were friends of mine. They got brought over to to London uh, by Sony. And they promised them their moon stars. And they recorded an EP and they fucking dropped them. The band split up. Yeah. You mm. know, it's it's like a feeding frenzy for one scene, and then it's all forgotten about, and they move on to the next thing. But, you know, there's Roller Skate Skinny, remember them? Oh, I, mean,
1: I, I like <laughs> I like, the, like Roller Skate Skinny. And, and all the bands you mentioned you know, are excellent bands. Whipping Boy and Roller Skate Skinny are probably two of my, my my favorite bands, you know? And again, yeah. you know, very very difficult for really original music to find his feet you know it needs a lot of support it needs the likes of john Peel and those yes. kind of guys dave Fanny did what he could for, he for those bands. but it's uh, it it really needs more you know but um i think their music will in a funny way live on you know because i think you know as long as there's musicians out there listening to that stuff and you know people that go back and look at some interesting music that iron had to offer there's just some great stuff out there uh, but it definitely deserved more recognition i do think though this though i think a lot of people in ireland especially festival organizers they're they're you know we've had a couple of guys that you know that, that have given us festivals here and we're very grateful to them but a lot of them are kind of looking further afield what what is the festivals happening in england and hmm. let's to copy those festivals mm. because. You know, they don't want to look like uh, they're putting on a festival that isn't cool or whatever. So they're kind of a little bit worried as well. I think that's why they're not taking as much risks. When we played in France, for example, at the Modern Festival, there's a lot of French bands there, a lot of them. And that's, I think that's great because they're they're pushing the local scene mm. and there's, a, there's an audience really, really wants to see that, that music as well. And uh, I think Ireland... Should push a little bit more of their own acts in general, whether it be metal or or, or even just indie acts. It, I, I think it deserves a little bit more of a push from the art, from, yeah. the, from the from the industry as a whole. Radio play as well. We don't get much radio play. Haven't got any. Uh, never got a TV appearance offer either in Ireland. But um, it's fine overall. You know, I can't really complain. But it's 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 it is. You know, I do think Ireland can do a little bit more. For, for, for for bands in general, but
2: um... yeah, I think that's that's they could do more. I think that you, that's probably the what, what we take from this. Like, but yeah. but even still, Thorsten, like you, still managed to be around and playing for twenty years. Like, you know, I mean, you have done well. Obviously, it wasn't on the back of Ireland. Like, it was on the back of like you mentioned, likes of Italy, France, like, Poland, Bulgaria. I mean, Jesus, did greatly great deal, Like all these countries. But he, as a band, the three of you and four, I suppose. You know, you've been you've been together from the start. What's the trick there? How how have you managed to do that?
1: Um, Well, myself and Neil are obviously twin brothers. So we've always had this kind of uh, dream to play music, you know, so very much on a similar wavelength. So, you know, we kind of just like play music. A really really good relationship with Lloyd as well, who plays the the drums. And, uh, you know, I I think the secret really is to just to give people as much space as you can, but still try to push it enough just to keep people interested as well. You know, everybody has. If you put too much pressure on people, for example, you know the band would break up. So we can, mm-hmm. I think one thing that we notice if you don't do too many really long tours, because long tours make people will really get fed up very, very really quickly. And um, so I like we like to break it up over several times of the year. And one way anyway, that's good because in social media there's always something happening yeah. doing yeah. a tour, and then everybody gets fed up with each other. Um, just apart from that, I think I would get on really well. J- Jamie's. Uh, 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 back in the group as well. and I got on really well with Jamie and he's just a really great keyboard player and just a really fantastic musician. And, yeah, uh, like,
2: like Jamie came in there or whatever, maybe was must be about 10 years ago and he? he came into the scene, moved, went away again and is back again.
1: Yeah, it, like he... He'd there gone, was no
2: animosity, there was nothing between you all, there was all...
1: Not really, because, you know, I, I just know, See, maybe if I was younger, you know, you'd, you'd look at things differently, but as I look, as life a little bit older now, you, you just tend to give people... Understand that people go through ups and downs in life, yeah. and, you know, you, you just hope that they can pull through. So I, I always had, you know, worried about Jamie and I'm glad that he, he's come back to us now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're having, it just feels like a proper unit having that yeah. everybody back on the same page. And uh, apart from that, just trying to enjoy playing music. That's really important as well, rather than just seeing it as a, a kind of, how do we, what do we do next to kind of progress mm-hmm. our career? We, we're playing music because we like the music. And we like to write new music and uh, and do join playing the gigs. Even though it's tough, we still love playing in front of yeah. people and doing all that stuff. And I love making records as well. That's probably my favorite part of it.
0: So talk to That's us about the beginning of the end, the new yeah, so recording. What was the talk process maybe behind it?
1: So the plan was, we knew, when we released the end of the beginning back in 2002, which was probably written between 1999 and 2000, two essentially it was all drum machine it was just myself and niels and um over the years we had kind of adapted those songs to to, to incorporate live drums and obviously jamie playing extra keys and changing and mm. making lines a little bit more kind of uh, developed so we we knew you know we had some really interesting versions of those songs and with the 20 year anniversary coming up we said to ourselves maybe this is a good idea to maybe do a live uh, rendition of that record and with the whole um thing that you know with the two years off with the whole COVID thing we had done an Oz Violent live kind of streaming thing and it worked out really well so we said Let maybe just learn off some of the first album and <laughs> some of the stuff we, we hadn't played with the guys before and, and uh we went I didn't want to re-record the album that was one thing I want to kind of stress I didn't want to say here's the end of the beginning kind of done in 2022 because it's much better than what we did back in 2002 Mm. i didn't want to do that so it had to be live it had to be the live versions of those songs because i think they're kind of going for two different kind of it's a different appeal the end of the beginning to me it's very lo-fi and you know kind of very basic to be fair to it but it had a kind of a more of a trip hop kind of a kind of chill out loungy kind of a (laughs) thing a few noisy parts for sure but The other thing was certainly much more of a live, aggressive thing. But we still captured some of the kind of the more melancholy, sleepy kind of vibe to it as well on a couple Mm. couple of the songs. Some of the arrangements had bothered me over the years and we'd we'd managed to add some uh, improvisational parts over the years from the gigs and stuff like that. So we incorporated all those parts, but we had one simple rule. How do we stop this from becoming what I would call a normal record? So the things that people do in normal records they would uh do isolated takes for example you know they put maybe put down a guide track put down the drums yeah double track the guitars redo the guitars whatever you know to, to get that perfect picture so everything that we did was one take hmm. maybe it might have been a song maybe two songs where we had to say oh, that wasn't good enough let's let's do it all again if somebody messed up hmm. we did the whole thing again it wasn't like okay look i'll drop in and we'll get hmm. to the next song we did it all live we knew that if we didn't do that, it's going to suddenly sound like, okay, this is a re recording of the first album. And, and that was something that I was really dead against. Yeah. So this is a totally different thing. In no way eclipses in my pain the first uh, album. It's not replacing it, it's
0: it either, crucially.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't want that. If it did, I, I'd say that maybe we're trying to rewrite the, the history of the band. And I, yeah. I, I don't want to do that. I, we stand behind the end beginning. And. Um, beginning of the end literally just captures what we've been doing live and people can you know enjoy for different reasons i guess maybe it's, it's more of a earlier in the day record I don't yeah think.
2: that's an interesting point it captures you live because i think anybody who's seen you live knows that God and astronauts are made made to play on stage like you know the, the, the whole stage presence everything about it and even you mentioned there like doing this one a one take live i think covid times here, the last two years through COVID, there's a lot of bands doing online shows, sort of one take things. Is this something was that part of how it came about for you two? Did you say to yourselves, fuck it, this is an opportunity to do something a little bit different?
1: it was it kind of started a couple of things i remember was thinking to myself this is the first time now where we don't have a gig in two months time <laughs> or you know a tour to get ready or something you know all we have to do now is kind of keep ourselves busy somehow some way mm. and the first thing i did was we were using kind of like uh, axe effects which are kind of like digital kind of guitar processors so i said to myself what would happen if i just the old amplifiers out and and that was kind of started this chain reaction of like oh i get a lot of kind of guitar pedals and it was kind of busy <laughs> All week trying to sit in all these different sounds, and suddenly we said that could be really interesting, maybe to record the Ghost Tapes album with us. And we then progressed further, and because we had actually a few all these violent shows with Ghost Tapes kind of combined with. That's right, we saw that, yeah, yeah. So we were playing that as well in the studio. We're rehearsing it like crazy, you know, before that. So we just kept, we kind of had built a kind of a sound around the amplifier and the pedals, and we haven't looked back since. We got rid of all the axe effects and kept it. It's a little bit louder than, than what it would have been but more enjoyable kind of so i just had we got things done like th- th- that we wouldn't have time to do otherwise and then we learned off all our songs at a board and really we, we'd kind of <laughs> gone back because normally what you do is you take like three songs okay you have to play these three because people are going to want to play and yeah. mm-hmm. drop the rest mm-hmm. of them yeah so this is it, at one point we nearly had, i think we had like 65 songs because completely rehearsed for gig gig fit because we did a whole um from refuge is an album that we didn't really play that often, but we recorded in the opium room sessions as well. And yeah, and it's just it's just really had a great time, you know, for kind of forgetting about the new stuff and just kind of concentrating on what, what we had. But the end of the beginning was really interesting because to get that right, we had to rehearse that for about a month and a half before going in. So you can imagine it was like back to the beginning: like, this is all we have, this is our only identity. It felt exactly the way it was back then. It was like this is all we have. We have 10 songs and we better be able to play them live or we won't have enough to do a gig. <laughs> you know, it was kind of back to that whole thing and modifying and trying to get everything to work as well as we could. And um, just seeing tracks like Lost Symphony, which was essentially was an electronic track which uh, was never played live. And to, to be able to play that live finally, was really, it was really interesting. It was almost like DJ Shadow kind of. <laughs> of what on. Was, <laughs> you're, you're, you're kind of playing like... Um, Heavy kind of post rock stuff and you know instrumental rock stuff and progressive rock stuff and next thing you're trying to interpret this dance song. You know, it was, but I was I really had a great time with with that learning that, and I was very happy with the recording. We had a grant and we got, which really helped a lot financially. We went to Women Lane Recording. Oh wow, to you got a it.
0: grant! Wow,
1: <laughs> can you <laughs> repeat <receive> that <laughs> again? We, we did get a grant. Jesus, we, we applied. And and and, and they, we got it. So I was thankful. So there's one thing I can't complain about the arts industry. There we did get a grant, and uh, we, we, we recorded the uh, the whole the whole record in two days in, in the Lane Recording Studio. So and Thorson
0: yeah. back in the day when you recorded it, you probably had a song out of them original recordings that was your favorite. Is there one song in particular now with the re-recorded version that you particularly love?
1: I remember in the beginning, at the, at the very start, was probably my favorite because it had this kind of distorted synthesizer and a grainy drum loop and it had a kind of an interesting kind of vibe to it. And uh, just beyond was, I, I was one of my favorites, but it's probably my favorite now with all the improvisational parts that, mm. that added to the song. Uh, one song I was actually unhappy with was CODA. It was just very annoying and repetitive back then. So I actually much prefer it now. It's, it's got a little bit more uh, to the melody. There's a little bit of kind of uh, countering and a, a, a variation in the melody, which I, I much prefer. But some of that stuff was very hard because you can imagine we used to, Niels used to take parts of the records and then reverse it in the computer. <laughs> so I happened to try and learn that live. I said, how do I learn off a reverse guitar line? But I managed to do a rendition of it. And, and it was, yeah, that was a bit of a challenge, I, I must say but I could, playing songs even like Twilight because that took me back to playing... Um, the last time I think we had played that was at the Castlemore Festival in Ireland years Jesus. and years ago. So, <laughs> so they were playing that again, like it was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I was really happy how it turned out. So yeah.
2: And what's the feedback so far, Thorson? Because you're actually in the middle of the tour, aren't you, at the moment?
1: It's really, really, really positive. Anybody that's heard it really, really likes it. Uh, it reviews have been... Probably more higher than anything that we've put out in a long time. Yeah. Um, I think some people that haven't probably paid as much attention to it because it is just not new material, and you know. So I think it's kind of anybody that's heard has really liked it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's I would. lying if i said it got more of a reaction in ghost tapes it didn't the ghost tapes uh, more people were interested in hearing what what music was okay and what about all is
2: violent all is bright you only recently did that in full yeah a couple of shows too i mean that was personally my favorite album of of all the Rabs, and it still is yeah i think that's probably the most how would you compare how would you compare the feedback from both of these now
1: um i would say all is fine is still our most popular album i think you know most people that would have heard the band would have heard it because of that album they would have Mm -hmm. scooped mostly on that album um it's different the, the funny thing is this a lot of the all is violent material that was written was written exactly at the same time as the end of the beginning which is what people don't know okay nearly all of it i can tell you just off the top of my head forever lost was was, was a b-side to the end of the beginning that, that, that i just didn't make it because I, I i just didn't couldn't get the right arrangement at the time so was when everything dies that was also written on the oh. thing, but too many piano songs so were said ourselves okay yeah, yeah. piano songs on it um I, and there was even infinite rises that was written at that time as well so there was a good chunk of stuff and remembrance of course is on on both of those albums Um so there's a good chunk of material that was written at, at the start so mm. we, the idea was also in the back of your mind what would have happened had we had a band play the end of the beginning you know so that was kind of so i think anybody that's heard the in the beginning i think you know really probably might be their second favorite release. or beginning of the end mm. probably might be their second favorite release i don't know so it's just got a great reaction and um, I think again touching on what we had done with our lines it came out at the right time we we were at the time trying to get away from dance music because in the beginning was called trip hop and people were kind of Used to say to us, "Oh, God is a DJ and all this kind of <laughs> stuff." Poured to say, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and we're saying, okay, well, it's not quite that either, you know. But when all of Zion came out, we all we did was essentially took what we had played live, yeah, those songs, and then kind of added it into the record. And suddenly we landed on a genre called post rock, which just kind of was bubbling kind of under. And that had done us a lot of favors because a lot of people, you know, were ready for that kind of version. Yeah. Now we had a few differences in it. Obviously, our songs were a lot shorter than our contemporaries at the time. I wasn't too familiar with a lot of that music, but it's done. It done a lot of help for us. You know, a lot of people wanted to just discover the stylistically because post rock was on the on the on the up. But over the years, that genre, while it never really exploded as far as mainstream. You know, there's been a few few acts, of course, that has, but the genre as a whole has remained essentially underground. But I noticed that you know that people are kind of not as excited about hearing that genre continue on to be quite honest and mm. we looked probably for a long time now we've been looking at trying to you know expand our sound and uh, portraying what 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 we like to do basically and uh we've i know i'm really happy with some of the stuff that we've done like epitaph i really like the um, yeah some of the stuff that we introduced on that the production might not have been exactly
2: it was interesting. Yeah. It was, it was, it was different. Very yeah. low-fi, wasn't it? It was.
1: It was a bit too low-fi looking back at yeah. it. I think there was a, when we play those songs live though, they, they sound.
2: They're incredible live.
1: They yeah. yeah. So I, maybe yeah. there's another live record to be done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cause it does sound really good. That's kind like, of worms. Yeah. No, but have to be careful. You see, that's the thing. But yeah, we definitely with, with ghost tapes, we wanted to try and bring some live energy and that kind of stuff in. Um, but well, I feel now with everything that's we've gone through, I'm very focused about what I need to do for the future. Mm. Revising and right no, because that's of its time, and I think if we came out with an *Ozzy part two, I really just think stylistically it would fail very, very yeah. fast. And I know this at this point. But what I've always is important and something that we're going to be continue to work on is just trying to write as much really good music and heartfelt melodies as we can without it kind of how would you put it putting on the you know emotion and then writing uh-huh. i don't we don't want to do that because that, that, that's just not just never it's not it's insincere and i think post rocket was guilty of that as well every song seemed to be get out the violins and you know like so, yeah. so and yeah. we don't want to do that yeah. but but i do want to kind of write an experimental psychedelic kind of record next so that's kind nice. of what, what
2: we're working on yeah. like a, yeah a lot of bands have diversified a bit actually i think within that post-rock genre as you mentioned earlier they're exploring other you know you've got post-hardcore overlapping with post-rock you've post-metal as richie mentioned black metal earlier like you said i think post-rock was struggling to, to move beyond the little niche that was is stuck in like there was pockets all over the world like right? but it was never growing as such but i think bands are really of stepping up and trying to change it and trying to move
1: out yeah i can see it's kind of funny i see like say post-punk for example as an example mm. of it's going to go the same way as post-rock in my opinion it's kind of like every band wants to play post-punk now you know yeah yeah it's a saturation point so anybody that brought something original say initially to the table it becomes watered down by the end of the day mm-hmm. because everybody else is doing the same stuff the same pedal effects and, and, yeah. and stuff like that so when i look at scenes like that i say to myself okay let's not do what they're doing especially write down the they are using, so i don't get the same pedals because what happens is everybody's going to start sounding the same mm-hmm. and I, I always see that happening you know especially in ireland as well you see a couple of interesting bands coming up and then you'll see but five other ones starting to sound the same as well I, I, yeah. I kind of worry about that so i always think a little bit like two years down the road what's people what are people not doing you know mm-hmm. start to look at different ideas and uh yeah, so it's definitely going to be an experimental, psychedelic record of some description. And uh, Sounds good, sounds good.
0: Yeah. yeah, because like you always explore emotion and sound anyway, Thurston. So style obviously is never important as much as the content of the band. So Pat chose a song of the beginning of the end, and he might explain why he picked this one. So yep. the song I'm going to play is Point Pleasant, which is not the obvious one, but... Maybe, Pat, you can give us the reason why I'm going to play this song in particular.
2: I, the, the reason, I, well, I, I love the album in full anyway, and I, I especially love the rework that you've done on it, you know, because it's heavier.
1: Yeah. It's a
2: bit darker, and I think that's something that seems to have happened since Requiem, I think. I think that was a bit of a turning page for you, which are so, and I thought you got that a bit darker and a bit heavier, which I absolutely loved, like. But this song, between the third and sixth minute, roughly, a that track, I think encompasses everything about you. Yeah, yeah. From but- that low mellow sort of piano sort of influence sound right into those heavy hard guitaring and
1: yeah again was...
2: lloyd trashing it out you know i think it just had it all and again for me i didn't want to be picking the same sounds that everybody else would pick
1: from the album I know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one uh, that mm-hmm. song was actually inspired by the mothman prophecies oh um, wow so yeah so I'd, i remember i'd watched that that film and i just kind of I remember I was thinking, I'm going to go in and write something. And I remember finishing it at about three in the morning like, with a piece of music. Um, Yeah. So that I, I like that song. And it's kind of it set the blueprint for a lot of the other songs that like Suicide by Star. It had a, yeah, Star it has up, a lot of that
2: in it, actually. Yeah, it seems, yeah, yeah. A, that
1: kind of had to set up a few stylistic ideas. For mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do like that song a lot. Oh, good. Okay. Good choice. It
2: was a good it was choice. A
0: good choice. Well yeah. <laughs> OK, we'll give it a listen here.
1: so one take thurston that was one take as well Incredible. Yeah, you have to understand we rehearsed like you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. for that record now everything's done in one take there was no way i was going to accept it any other way otherwise it's just a, as i said a re-recording of the of the first yeah. I, 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 no that, that that never i told lads that's not i'm not gonna if we can't get it to work forget about it now and i think we actually we did that one we got that one on the second take that does that did take two takes to get to get full performance, but they're not mixed together. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. performance.
2: Yeah, you can sense the energy in the Doyle course. like yeah.
1: that's the one yeah. thing. I, it's funny, it was funny because I was just, you know, I'm in my recording studio here, but I can hear the Windmill Lane recording drum room sounds. Sound, sound, yeah, and you can just hear all the instruments. It ties it all in in a really nice way. So interesting. Why did you pick Windmill as the studio? Had you an option? Had you a few choices? We, we had an option, but I, I just with the grant, I just said to myself, Windmill Lane is such a you know they, they would say oh let's well, recognize studio and yeah uh, maybe and i was right so we did and i did, I did it has a great desk in there it has the uh the neve console which is a really nice uh i love that it's a nice just saturated kind of sound mm. off mm. that board it's, it's not what i call clinical it's got a yeah. lot of kind of grit to it so i definitely like that sound um but yeah no that was i was really happy that it, it's it, it, it's in. Go through the speakers. There, actually, I haven't listened to it in a while.
0: That's good. That's but, good. Who else was involved in the production of that, Thorsten? Can you give?
1: So we had a couple of guys in in Windmill. They're gonna kill me now for not remembering half their names. But we had our. What I did was I got our front of house sound engineer Zach, because I said to myself, it makes sense for him to mount the desk, mm-hmm. set the gains the way he... I wanted to be as much like the like people as we possibly can. And so he 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 said essentially got the excuse me the entire sound on the board. And when we, were, and it was definitely, I can't remember the other guy, but it was definitely a, a two assistant engineers as well to help us get all the mic positions. And then when it was finished, I, I mixed it myself in, in in the studio here. So, um, which I did probably in about two weeks, I think oh. I, I got everything. Uh, and I mastered it myself as well, because that, that was one thing I learned while we had the, uh, hmm. you know, the whole, the whole. Covid thing, I, yeah. so I, I I might as well learn. Educate
2: that. yourself, exactly, yeah.
1: So that was interesting. I, I you know I enjoy doing that stuff, but it can be very time consuming. Where you know, a top class mastery engineer probably do it in half the time, I imagine. <laughs> you know. Sure, I, I had an but times. So. What programs yeah. were you
0: working with for the mastering?
1: Um, well, I was working with uh, kind of obviously I, my main, main main thing is Pro Tools because yeah. I know how to use it, so it's better than else. But the kind of plugins that I was using, I was using um some of the isotope stuff um also some of the i don't know There's there's a kind of i don't know if i could show that there i was like it's the there, there's my my outboard gear there so i, I had like a, a curve bender limiter in the lisa eq to, for some of the eqs um and then i i think i used um a different a bx i think it's called a true peak limiter which kind of just get brought the level to to, to what i needed it to be um so the, yeah, those are the things. So it was definitely a hybrid of software mixed in yeah. with uh, with some hardware, and a, a, a good bit of saturation was used as well on like tape saturation and that kind of stuff to really kind of get the grid mm. I was looking for. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I think actually I, I do think that the mixes on that they should sound pretty solid. I think think better yeah. than some of the <laughs> records that we've done, to be honest. Yeah.
0: New no pad for you there. Yeah. We'll just go back to touring there like do you have a favorite venue or city to play in
1: um let me just see it, it kind of changes all the time um favorite city where would that be we just think one of my favorite gigs we ever did was in new york years ago and it was it was a fantastic gig and, but the next time we went back it wasn't as good so you know it depends <laughs> on you know time is also a consideration. i, I like playing in italy i must say a lot there's a lot of really really dedicated fans there, especially Rome. I really like playing Beautiful in Rome. Beautiful city. Um, we liked, you know, before, you know, again, you, you know, you gotta be careful what you say. You know, Moscow has been great to us in, in the past. Obviously, mm. I play there again for obvious reasons, which I won't get into. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, we were, I do like playing in Berlin. For example, which is a really good place to play. I do like playing Dublin. I must say, Dub Dublin's always been a, a really good good for us. Um, apart
2: from that, and you've been very good to Cork, actually, yeah. by the way, Thorsten. Like you know, not many bands drop down to Cork. It's always Dublin, possibly Belfast. You know, it, it's great to see that you always take in yeah. Cork on tour.
1: Cork has kind of always been good to us from the very very early days. Uh, you know, we it's just it's, it, it was. Thing with Cork, Cork, Cork is kind of a place where the people know their music, you know, mm. and, and you're not going to pull the wool over the rise. So you're going to put in a, you're going to work hard to get Cork to work. <laughs> you can't just turn up and expect it to work. So, I, we know when we, when you're down in Cork, you want to have your, you want to you want to be your, A game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, it won't work if you don't. So, it, that, that's, the, that's why I was at Cork. You got, you got, you got to be ready because you're not playing in front of those. You're playing in front of guys and other shit. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying other places yeah. don't, but Cork is like, you've, they're not there to drink. Uh, they're there to actually at least are, there to, they're there to really see what you got you know mm, mm. and uh i much prefer cork now than i did back in in the day because i think cypress avenue is a much better venue than it was
2: stunning. oh big time yeah you know, yeah i
1: did back in the, i remember years ago there was a storm and this is before cypress avenue had done the renovation <laughs> and uh it's absolute hammering rain and there's water coming through the <laughs> landing on my I was literally drenched full of storm water on me as I was playing the guitar you know I was thinking I'm going to electric shock here and the, I think I remember this time I think this he was saying I think Owen was saying that the Saw Doctors were playing so they wanted their the stage raised because they sit down at their gigs you'd you hit your head off <laughs> <laughs> you, if
2: you're over six foot you're going to struggle in the old cypress avenue like i remember yeah, seeing
1: I, I used to have
2: us playing like this for a whole yeah. hour, like you know
1: yes yeah, so yeah. i didn't i didn't enjoy it but now i i, I love I, lo- I love cypress avenue i think it's, it's actually a really good venue i'd be happy to play a venue like that anywhere you can mm-hmm. good the way cypress avenue is now so i'm really looking forward to to getting back to, to cypress avenue i think it's going to be a, a fantastic gig and as i said we always have fond memories in corp that been, uh, one of the to me the just the most loyal audience that they've always had.
2: Yeah. yeah, do you find good turnouts in Ireland, um, Thorson? Because promotion—just talk about promotion for a second. Like, I mean, I went to see a band there, The Ocean, only a few yeah. weeks ago. You know, and you and you know them yourself, Thorson, Such yeah. a big band, a big post-metal band with a huge following, and like yourselves, they tour the world, they tour Europe, and the turnout was well, wasn't great. You know, for a band with such a with such talent, basically. Like, and I'm wondering, like. Do you find it's a problem promoting in Ireland?
1: It can, it can be difficult. You see, for example, like if the ocean is playing in, like I don't know to say Rome, for example, mm. you've got a huge population of people, and yeah. uh, it'd be much easier for them to pull a few hundred people there than it would be in Cork, because the population is a lot lower. And I find bands that are kind of relatively well known like that generally will do better in the bigger cities because the population is more mm. in favour. But if you're playing in, in in Cork, for example, it's like playing a a remote part of Luxembourg, for example. Unless you've done a lot, lot of lot of work mm-hmm. in that area, do you know what I mean? So I I think Cork is a, a, again is a place where a lot of people will work with, you know, they want to hear you know people other people talking about it. They're not going to just yeah, read it, you know? they're going they're going to talk amongst each other, and and it's, there's a scene all in itself down there. And I think the ocean and bands like that will work predominantly on what the, the internet is is talking about, which works, mm. I think, in the bigger cities. Um. So yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Come in all bands. That that's kind of my opinion on that. But saying that promotion is very very tough because, um, how do you? Let, I'm sure those people probably realised two weeks later that their favourite band was playing The Cork and they weren't there. You know, happened before happened. to me many
2: yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so how do you get the kind of the right amount of publicity? Um. Reality, if you were, if you were to do the dream promotion as an example for that band, you mm. you, you would would have had, for example, uh, an interview with two of them, and you would have had like the hot press and yeah. talking about this band, yeah. more posters, more presents, and stuff like that. And I, you know, they probably would have done, you know, at least an extra hundred people, for example, mm. uh, uh, at the gig. And um, but, th-
0: but I think also Cork kind of gets the short end of the stick as well because, say, for example, a band like The Ocean. They could play, we'll say Cork on a Wednesday night, where there wouldn't be anybody out. Limerick on a Thursday night, Dublin Friday, Belfast Saturday, gone then Sunday. Oh.
1: That's true everywhere. I think, like if you if you were, you know, playing on a Friday or Saturday night, for example, you yeah. would generally pull more people, no matter where where you are. But again, you're right in a place where they're playing for the first time. Uh, somewhere, somewhere like a Friday night or a Saturday night w- would have been a fantastic way of mm-hmm. doing that but again they're going to kind of go with the the important yeah. ones because Dublin you know is is the bigger city and they probably would want to make sure that lands at least yeah. on, on the weekend um, I, you know I still think Cork is, to me is very important I, I personally you know w- would always prefer to play Cork on a, on a Saturday night or something like that you know because it generally had much better turnouts but we're lucky enough because we can then just break up the tour and mm-hmm. I'll Go down there one weekend and do them the next weekend or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah. Not, apart from that, I I, I do think it might have been an idea if they were a big setup. Though you know the guys as well. You know, a good gig with the two was playing as well. I think people would have kind of would have turned up in a yeah. uh, gig down there. We played with them in in, in Italy years ago, and uh, they, they were. It was a really good night at night of music. So yeah,
2: that that's an interesting one too. Do, do bands ever sort of talk to each other and say, "Come here, look, I see you're touring Ireland." Do you want us to join up with you would you like to hook up or
1: a little a little bit not as often as you might think like we had yeah. that in sweden i think next year and we had this band ef just oh, brilliant. Well, yeah. no, they, they they, reached out to us there and, and more than happy to, to share the stage we, we'll play with anybody that's the first thing i'll say we, we we the better the band the better it is for mm-hmm. everyone i think it's because it's better night i have music for everybody and uh if we can get a really good act on with us I think it's better night for music because that's really what your you, people need to worry about it's not it's the overall effect that people enjoy yeah. going out to that gig stuff like yeah. that and I think that's important you know so a decent night of music is always going to do better than having any old support act on and then you know you've it all mm-hmm. to do it yourself to try and make it worth their while to come out so I prefer uh, you know playing with decent groups you know it's, it's definitely uh more pleasurable for everybody so I would
0: say maybe an Irish band here that are watching this, you're approachable for maybe a support act?
1: Oh, yeah, we have always approached and, and we've got a couple of, um, you know, Irish acts on uh, for these gigs. As well, but we're always approachable, uh, you know, as we don't do an awful lot of shows in Ireland. But we, we always will always put on an, an Irish act, you know, and whatever suits. There's so many good music in Ireland at the moment. It's it's hard, to, you know, if, if we did more gigs, we'd be able to, mm-hmm. I suppose, do, to do more support slots. and. That's to your credit.
0: Now, Pat always ends the interview with three questions. So we're, we're going <laughs> to I, move
2: into yes, this. I, this. Yeah, this wasn't mentioned to you, I don't think, Taurus. I don't know that I send these on to you. I probably didn't. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I, I'll play it Yeah, I'll
2: it Yeah, it's just three session questions I always ask on the Smashing Skulls at the end of the show. Okay. Just a bit of fun, just something a bit lighthearted, really. All right. Uh, first question, if you could do a cover version, Taurus, of any track from any genre and any time. God,
1: that's it.
2: Is there anything you've ever considered? Have you ever chatted about it? Cover
1: versions? Yeah, I if I've never actually considered it, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now, you know.
2: Or a track of your your own interpretation. on a track even. It doesn't have to be a, a cover as such. Like. Oh,
1: I do just, just think about i I have to think now. I have to need to go back. It's my phone here and look, and look at some.
2: <laughs> Would he have to sing on it, Pat? <laughs> actually, that's an interesting
1: one, you mentioned, because I have to look at this now. This is a, a tricky. I'll have to just kind of see if, what, what what I could come up with here. Um, um Are you influenced by any other sort of news? Like, well, a- I'd, a- I'd, I'd, probably try, I'd probably try a Whippin' Boy song if I had to name something. Class. You know, I, I I'd... anything from Heartworm would be would yeah. be outstanding. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I mean, we've played Twinkle before. Really? years ago. Um, so like, we can we played that. Oh um, nice. I, I don't think to the other one. I think there was something from submarine that that, 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 would, that would work really well as well so yeah, yeah. I th- definitely twinkle comes to mind i mean definitely uh, that really was nicely Thorsten. i'm happy yeah, with that uh, happy yeah. with that uh, and if you ha- if you haven't ever
0: heard of whipping boy for those that are watching not from ireland uh please check them out they've uh fantastic sure. album called uh summer
2: absolutely that's heartwarming really yeah. to go to first yeah and yeah, yeah and just blown away by them second question thorson uh what band past or present would you like to have played or play on stage with?
1: And um, Jesus, so many, you know, obviously just even sticking it to, to, to the Irish bands. I would have loved to play with that band, Stum, who just, I don't know if anybody remembers them from Derry. What, a, what an amazing... Stum or Stum? Stum. Okay. They're from Derry. Um, one of the, probably around 95, 96. Yeah. And the records don't do them justice at all. It's a really, really amazing live act. Um, mm. really, powerful and just amazing presence so they, they definitely w- would have been one of the bands
2: are they selective torsen are they oh no he's long
1: not it's gone. long gone now did the last much past 97 98 i don't think okay but they were a really really good band
2: um would you ever about, be tempted to play on the big stage on the big fucking stadium tour get on stage and play with somebody
1: yeah well, i wouldn't say no I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't like stadium rock music in general, though, you know, yeah. I, I don't I don't like that platform. I, I find a lot of great acts kind of it, it ruin their, uh, just ruin their flavor. Like, yeah, it just dilutes everything. I, I think that that big I'm sure space. like if yeah, Robert it's...
2: Smith offered you the chance
0: to come on stage with The Cure.
1: Oh, I do that. I mean, Robert Smith is obviously, you know, and I'm, I'm not just saying it because, of, you know, you know that I met the guy, but probably one of the most nicest people that you'll ever meet. And just a true band of music mm-hmm. I mean he stood there literally for the entire set watching us play yeah uh, I I was too scared to even look around to see was he there at the end of it Do you know but he was he was literally still there watching the, our whole entire set and then he did the same thing for the editors as well he just sat there was we watching the band for the entire set just genuinely loved loves music more than anybody I've ever met and did he
2: did he approach you afterwards Carson? Did he?
1: Yeah, he? he asked us to come back to the dressing room and i we chatted to him for about 30 minutes and just a very down-to-earth character mm-hmm. and just a really very serious musician and a serious writer and and not in there's no bullshit it's just a very unique i'll never forget me the really unique character and a very kind of special person and you'll be surprised how much he has his ear to the ground yeah you heard probably of all the bands we've been talking about oh
2: yeah absolutely yeah
1: this is a guy not interested in who's trending in the top of the charts. Mm. The guy is, has the ear to the ground looking at what interesting bands, and because mm. he just loves to listen to interesting music, talks, he loves talking about lyrics and words and all different stuff. I found him really, yeah, obviously that would be a dream guy to collaborate with, you know, and to play on the same stage with him in the Curia. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to that. That's <laughs> I should sure. say no. Yeah. Third
2: question, so we wrap up with what were you listening to today? Have you listened to an album today? I was the last thing. Yeah to go the through last, those ears.
1: The last thing to go through between my ears was probably Bar Our Own Music was, um, I was we're working on the follow up to uh, Butterfly Explosions uh, album. Oh yeah. They're coming out with a new album and been, I was working on that Thursday night there and uh, that's probably going to come out next year, so that's...
2: Geez, yeah, Jeez. I remember them supporting E years ago, actually back in Cork.
1: Yeah, this this is, I think people are going to be surprised how good this sounds, so this, this, this hopefully, so, and Gaz obviously plays with us now and then as well in our band and has over the years. Um, but yeah, that was, I was listening to that. Apart from that, what was I listening to outside of work? Related? I just have to look at my phone again. <laughs> cause I, I can't this is, this
2: is where Spotify actually does benefit you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, that's that's true. I was, I, yeah, I was listening to some Fugazi. Ah, uh, my man, an offset. I was listening to uh, what else, else do I have here? I was listening to Killing Joke. Uh, oh, nice. Listening to Tomahawk. Wow.
2: Very, very brilliant, Harrison.
1: Yeah, um, I listen don't to. Don't ruin it now, uh...
2: because
0: so far you've you've just <laughs> knocked it out of the park. It,
1: don't, don't ruin it. Oh, there's <laughs> two more things I've been listening to. I, I didn't have a, a full listen. I listened to Holy Fawns' new record, Savage. Yeah. I, I used you know, we met we, we met them over in in the states, and and I, I think he's got something special. In it, but I think what uh-huh. I, I really enjoyed my first listen on it, and I downloaded Gillaband's latest stuff that, that that was three singles so i listened to that as well i thought that was quite good as well so yeah that that's essentially all i've been listening to um surprised but, you didn't
2: get time to surprise yeah, you didn't time on, the to
1: tour, on the tour i was i had ch- at the time because we were just si- sitting in the van when i get home uh, yeah generally I, I try to i try to save my ears as much as possible and just do <laughs> that. yeah that's kind of that was really it apart from that uh yeah, I'm sure there was Jesus Lizard and ah, a few things in there, at
0: some point steak. as well. It only came up there lately, Brilliant. Jesus Lizard, with another band. as Sky Pilot, actually, yeah. from, from Belfast. Big Jesus Lizard fans. Yeah. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll so, God
0: as an Astronaut are playing in Monroe's on October the 20th in Galway. The 21st, we'll see him... Ourselves, Pat, in Cypress Avenue in Cork. Yeah, and, the tw- yeah, and the 22nd then is Opium in Dublin. I'm not aware of that venue, Opium in Dublin.
1: It's basically, if you, if it's beside Whelan's in Dublin. Oh, so it's basically, it's on Wexford Street. Because, so it's on Wexford literally right beside Whelan's. It's literally next door okay. to it. So it's kind of a, we did actually a kind of a, a live session in there earlier mm. in the year. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good venue. We, we, we played Academy a couple of times and we just wanted to change the, the the scenery a little bit rather than playing the same venue all the time in Dublin. So, hopefully. And just out
2: of curiosity, what's the capacity of that now, Thorsten? The likes of Opium?
1: It's a bit smaller than Academy, so I think it's about 650. Okay. Uh, but that comes in. Kind of so, I'd I, I expect it would probably sell out, to, to be honest. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, tickets are going pretty fast at the moment. So, if anybody wants to check us out, I think That's not waiting for the day of the gig, I'd say, but buy something ahead of time for that one. Yeah,
2: I I, I can't speak highly enough of you as a band. I mean, I've been following you for close on 10, 15 years myself, Like, and every time you've come to Cork, you've blown me away. Everybody I've brought along who wouldn't be in the scene, not even into rock or metal, have been blown away and have walked away and have listened to amongst their own pop music. That's bad vinyl, Pat. Oh fuck it, yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah, I, I might be short one or two actually. Tor, so I'd have to see we what. Have, um, a few what you, what you have, yeah, we we'll see what you have on the so, day.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think just a few few few. And we're going to be doing. It a few, I don't think all his vines is not there, so we're going to be re- redoing those pretty soon. I have a first. I have a first press of all his vinyls anyway. We have that. And one. I have I to think,
2: repress. Yeah, so I I'm think there's a self
1: title to come in anyway. And there's the Helios Erebus vinyls definitely there as well. And I think we have. Uh, there's definitely one other one. I think it might be an Age of the Fifth Sun one might be there. But we're, nice. we're going to be reprinting a few things. But there's a big, huge delay in getting vinyls on in general. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's mad. It's crazy. I've heard that, yeah. But, m- Richie, Richie's looking forward to buying a few as well. Pat, sure there's this new
0: term parts. called vinyl flexing. Okay, <laughs> very good. <laughs> so, Thorson, on behalf of myself and Pat, what can we say? A brilliant interview. Thanks a million for taking the time to come on the show.
1: No, and we're well.
0: glad to have you around for another 20 years, if if you so
1: choose. I will certainly, certainly do our best, to, you know, at least try to get there for another 10 years if we can do that, if we can do that much. Um, as long as we can, I just say musically, keep bringing something new to the table and and the audience is still interested in watching this live and you know at, at the end of the day as long as guys want to watch us and we want to keep doing it i, I think we'll be here uh,
2: exactly like you've made a huge impact in the music yeah. scene Thorsten. like you know i mean there's a lot of credit has to go your way as for 20 as we said this is rep- this is representing 20 years of your music now this tour like and you know there's so much to to celebrate with that night not just the album like but everything you've done for the Irish music scene, even you know you you all over the world representing yeah. Ireland. It's been yeah. incredible. Like it really has.
1: We've always flown the flag very high. You know, we've always been proud to be from Ireland, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we're we're even when we went over to Belgium, Don't Festival, and all that. You know, we're proud to represent Ireland and stuff like that mm. uh, it'd be nice to get as I say more recognition home in Ireland in, in general but I don't think it's going to happen at this point and, and I, we're, we're kind of happy enough though at the same time with that it, it's just I just hope they don't the next couple of bands you know that are kind of especially even as you were saying in the metal industry do get a bit more recognition here in Ireland because it, it, that genre, and uh, even ours, does kind of get ignored quite quite a lot here in mm. Ireland. I think they they need to celebrate a little bit more of the kind of acts that Ireland is producing, not just the typical indie acts and pop yeah. acts. Even in the uh, ambient fields you've got uh, Paddy Mulcahy, is really really good. Like you know, he just definitely deserves even more recognition as well. So there's there's a lot of really talented mm. obscure acts in Ireland that I think you know definitely deserve as much help as they can get. And one of the biggest problems that I find is these guys, it just even get outside of Ireland costs so much damn money. I, I do think Imro and the likes of them should be trying to get grants for younger yeah. bands, you know, especially to get to the States and and, and even just even cut the ferry costs in half or yeah. musicians yeah. to really try and stimulate that industry because I'm telling you, we've played everywhere and Irish music is right at the top of yeah. the heap mm there really is top-notch stuff from ireland and, and there's good music everywhere don't get me wrong but i think i maybe i'm being biased but music that comes from here in ireland it's i mean i can't think of a band that i like better than whipping boy for example from, from ireland and and roller skate skinny you know even go back to the to rock field to the rock bands like curb dog and all that kind of stuff that can happen mm-hmm. all the way back then yeah. therapy all that stuff there's some fantastic music that has come from ireland and uh I, I, you know, again, you see Fontaine's, DC, all these bands that are coming out today representing, and it's, you know, I just think there's a lot more than that, and even obscure, more underground acts, like, you know, primordial, different stuff like that, Mm. really, really well in Scandinavia and those places. Yeah, yeah, a bit of funding would be nice. Yeah, And that's the one thing that I think needs to happen for, 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 for bands that are kind of, because it's it's it, they literally haven't got the money to to last and and have that they have that bit of support to be able to last for a couple of years and get to those places and at least you know be given the opportunity to be on that platform and they don't get it and here's the biggest problem and I've said this before um when you get played here in, on Irish radio it doesn't it nothing really happens even if you get that because it's not like somebody in over in England is paying attention to what's been happening here. So I think Ireland needs to do a lot more to be able to get the, the bands over to other places, like Eurosonic, but a, a lot more of that kind of stuff in general. Mm. Be able to even have maybe, um like the other you know, voices and stuff like that, which we we, see, we seem to can't get, and they don't seem to give it to much metal acts either, from what I can see. No. Um, I think they need to change the policy there and rather give them to the same 15 acts yeah. over and over and over again. I, I do think there's, I'd like to see primordial on other voices. I want to see that.
2: I'd like, I, I want to tune. That out. would be great. That would be something different. I mean, what, I, I why can't it be? Yeah.
1: I don't, I, I don't, I don't get that. Like, mm. why, why can't we see see that? You know, I, I think think would be interesting rather than, you know, same old act. Yeah. Same so, old, over and over again. You look at it, you go, okay, he, he did it three years ago, and he's back on. He's it again, back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But look, at the end of the day, it's their show. They're gonna do what they think is right. At the end of the day, but I do think uh, bands here deserve more exposure and, and deserve. An opportunity to try and prove their worth in other countries yeah. as
2: well. Well said, well said, well said Thorsten. Yeah. So
0: you've been listening well said, to yeah. Thorsten from God as an Astronaut. Um, tour dates are out. Um, I'll just go through them one more time. Uh, so it is the 20th of October in Galway, uh, Monroe's, 21st again, Cypress Avenue in Cork, and the 22nd in Dublin. Thorsten, thanks a million for taking the time to come on the show.
2: Much appreciated. And we'll
0: catch you in Cork. I love saying that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Thanks so much Pat as well. There you go. Thanks so much, cheers guys.
1: thanks guys.